This is an encore edition of the Sultan Light Hour. Welcome to this special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today I'll be joined by all our contributors, Chris, Sheridan, and Andrew, who will give their segments a little Easter twist. But we also have all our segments. Sister Marie Paul Curley will be here to suggest a few good Easter films. Mark Matthews tells us about Easter in Hollywood. And Jillian Cantor learns an Easter lesson from her kids. So that's all coming up. But first, Chris is here with me. Chris, uh, what's in our headlines today? Well, I'm going to be telling you about Holy Week at the Vatican and, and all the special liturgies that have been going on there, uh, including where the funds from the Holy Thursday collection are going. The Pope is making a, a special appeal um, for a nation that truly needs it. Great. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I was reading about that uh, mm-hmm. the this week and last week, and uh, I always assume that the collection goes to the Holy Land, but we're going to find out if that's mm-hmm. uh, entirely true every year. Thank you. Um, um, did you find, Chris, that Lent just kind of whizzed by and Holy Week was all of a sudden here? Uh, a little bit. You know, I, I think often at the end of Lent, I, I feel like I didn't maybe quite accomplish <laughs> what I'd hoped to. Really? You know, yeah. In terms of that, that kind of renewal that, yeah. that you're looking to Interesting. do. Interesting. I, l- I, I seem to be more... F- in tune with the whole idea of penance this year, but it seemed to go so fast. You think that when you're focusing on penance, it's <laughs> it should mm. take longer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I all of a sudden it was Holy Week, and uh, I don't know where the time went. Anyway, um, uh, we always start with a song, uh, but we're going to start with a song by Father Robert Galea. Uh, here's Father Robert Galea with "At the Foot of the Cross" from his album "What a Day."
Father Robert Gallia with At the Foot of the Cross from his album What a Day. And coming up is Andrew with our Easter Saint. But first, Chris is still here. So Holy Week in the Vatican. Yes, well, it started on Palm Sunday um, with a beautiful outdoor mass in St. Peter's Square. And it really is one of the, I think, one of the most beautiful liturgies that takes place throughout the year. And there's the procession uh, with the very large palms uh, in St. Peter's Square. A number of olive trees are are set up because they Mm. also bless the olive branches. And so it looked like a little garden of Gethsemane in the middle of St. Peter's Square. And a really beautiful liturgy with a lot of young people from Brazil, actually, uh, because it uh, Palm Sunday is traditionally also the diocesan World, World Youth, Youth Day. Day. And uh, so there were representatives of the last World Youth Day in Madrid and then also the upcoming World Youth Day in Brazil. So a very boisterous Brazilian crowd. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Pope uh, had a wonderful message to really um, get us thinking about Holy Week uh, he asked a number of questions. You know, what are our deepest desires with which we have come 
here to celebrate Palm Sunday and to begin our celebration of Holy Week. So what are our deepest desires? And he wants us to think about our expectations of, you know, who is Jesus for us? Uh, Who is God for us? Because when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he ended up not being necessarily what uh, the kind of Messiah that his followers were looking for. He ended up Uh, doing something very different and maybe uh, initially uh, something disappointing Mm -hmm. um, for followers when when he was um, killed and crucified on the cross and so uh, a lot of great questions there I encourage you to go find his homily and you can uh, you can do so by going to our blog we have it posted there at saltandlighttv.org slash blog now the Holy Week um, liturgies continued uh, in the Vatican with the Chrism Mass and the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Thursday as well as the celebration of the Lord's Passion uh, and the Way of the Cross. Now, the Way of the Cross is interesting. That's always held in the Colosseum. Uh, Pope Benedict was there for that. And a different person gives the meditations uh, every year. And often they're clerics, but this year it was two lay people. Um, an old, uh, a very old couple who have been married for many decades mm-hmm. who are part of the Focolare movement. And, um, and so they gave meditations where they actually talked about some very real problems that that uh, that people face, including marital fidelity, yeah. and uh, and so those those were parts of the reflections on each of the stations of the cross, and then of course there's uh, tonight's uh, Easter vigil, which um, by Rome time has you know of course yes. already already taken place, and then finally there's the Easter Sunday Mass, uh, and Salt and Light will be airing that at ten o'clock in the morning. But I also wanted to tell you, Pedro, about a special collection that took place on Thursday. Now, there are two different collections. Now, on Friday, there is uh, the collection for the Holy Land, and this takes place in parishes throughout the world. Okay. So your parish, my parish, yeah, everyone okay, takes, so up, a cle- one takes I, up a yeah. parish for the collection of the Holy Land. But on Thursday, there's a special collection for the church in Syria. And uh, this was something that Pope Benedict has um, uh, particularly chose uh, is to assist Syria. And the church has been very involved with the situation there, the ongoing conflict that's going on. And a representative of the church spoke at the second meeting of the Friends of the Syrian People. This was a meeting uh, with about 60 different uh, governments represented. It was held in Turkey uh, on April 1st, so that was um, this past Sunday. And uh, the church was was making an appeal uh, that there be greater access uh, to humanitarian aid. That's been one challenge. And really stressing that we can't have more violence because there has been talk mm-hmm. of, of, you know, well, maybe we need to be assisting the, uh, the rebels with support so that they can be armed. Um, and, but the church's message has always been for peace and has always been for, for there to be a, a ceasefire to the conflict. Good. Well, thank you very much, uh, Krista uh, Matrenko. Happy Easter. Happy Easter yeah, to you too, Pedro. Krista uh, Matrenko is our Salt and Light Radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, remember you can send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And to get some handy parenting tips, stay tuned because coming up is Jillian Cantor with what her kids taught her about Easter this week. But before that, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew, who is our Easter saint? Uh, you've kept me in suspense. Who Easter saint? 
Pedro, a blessed Easter to you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. We a few weeks back we spoke about Saint Francis of Rome. Uh huh. Remember that? Yes. We're going to speak about Saint Francis of Assisi, okay. who is considered an Easter saint. Really? Yes. Okay. I want to know so why. So just a just a brief outlook on Saint Francis. We know he was born sometime in 1181 or 1182. We know he's an Italian Catholic friar. Yeah. Um, he's a preacher as well. Very evangelical. But can this poor man from Assisi yeah. be called an Easter saint? Yeah. That's where we begin. Okay. So for St. Francis, his spiritual Easter wasn't a one-time event, but it's a journey. It was a process. Like St. Paul, Francis um, could declare, all I want to know is Christ and the power flowing from his resurrection. Francis's road to Easter began by meeting the crucified Jesus. Mm-hmm. Praying before the crucifix in the church of San Damiano outside of uh, the city of Assisi yep. during the first years of his conversion Francis heard Jesus say these words to him Francis rebuild my house mm-hmm. Francis felt a mysterious a, a mysterious change in himself but like many people who could uh, doubt it he he could not describe it he was he felt feeling very uh, very weird about the experience yeah that was the beginning of a spiritual Easter St. Francis journeyed towards an Easter transformation and uh, he did that by reflecting um, upon Jesus in the mysteries of his poverty and humility. We know that um, as a Franciscan priest, he took those vows really very seriously. In September 1224, God answered Francis's prayer by imprinting the sacred stigmata uh-huh. on him, making uh, Francis an icon of the crucified Jesus. Francis's Easter newness was the fruit of his union with the crucified and risen one. This union was the secret of Francis's joy, um, his his skills in peacemaking, you know, his enthusiasm. He was very enthusiastic about all things God and his remarkable relationship with creation mm-hmm. and, and the environment around him. So um, he had a few sufferings. He, you know, he was sick from time to time. He was very disappointed. He felt betrayed and misunderstood. Um, and that marked his earthly pilgrimage, so to speak. But he saw these sufferings in a new light. He understood that through them, God was making all things work through an eternal good, mm-hmm. through an eternal Easter. Christ made Francis, the Easter saint, a singer of like the new song of redemption. Um, in the exhortation to the praise of God, Francis sang as, a, as his own the hymn of those who stand before the throne of God in heaven. You want to know what he sang? Yeah, I want to know. Worthy is the lamb who was slain, to receive power, glory, and honor. Mm -hmm. So his song of Easter triumph is like that of the church on earth, like what we sing on Easter. Um, The famous psalm, this is the day the Lord has made. made. Let us us rejoice rejoice and be glad in it. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. So the whole lesson of this, um, of St. Francis and his life and his Easter journey, is that he shows us what can happen when the grace of Easter becomes... um, becomes rooted in our life. It becomes mm-hmm. effective um, in a Christian's life. He teaches us that every h- earthly suffering holds the seed of resurrection. So for Francis, Easter was, it, it was something that was vibrant. It was a reality that gave light and hope and even energy uh, for the daily journey. He teaches us that the real saints are the quite human, quite natural people in whom through the Easter purification and transformation, what is human appears afresh in its total originality and beauty. And actually, that uh, 
those last few words were spoken by Pope Benedict. Very nice. Thank you. It's, it's his, sorry. By the way, his feast day is October the 4th. Okay, good. So, no, thank you. I, and people, I think, think of St. Francis and they make the connection with Christmas because of the first nativity. Yes. Yeah. But so it's nice to hear him in, in the context of Easter. And I like St. Francis particularly. I don't know if you know this, but he was not a priest. He was a deacon. He okay. was a permanent deacon. He was a friar, mm -hmm. but he was never ordained to the priesthood. He yeah. was a permanent deacon. So very good. Thank you very much. A blessed Easter season to all of our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Andrew Santos, our saint expert in about five minutes. What's happening across our country with Sheridan. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. This is a special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now it's time for... What our kids teach us with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, you've learned an Easter lesson from your kids, right? Yes, yeah. Right now, I guess, um, during, well, during all of Lent, my husband and I felt like we were in full-on teaching mode. Okay. Because how do you explain Lent and the Passion of Christ in one-year-old and three-year-old language? So yeah. we, I guess, not tiptoed, but walked through this Lent very carefully just because we wanted to have it make sense to at least to our three-year-old we uh, i was going to ask you is it so joseph is three is yeah. it, it do you feel that it's the first time that he that the first lent easter that he's sort of understanding in very basic terms uh -huh. it means that you know we've he can only watch one show a day <laughs> that's what right. that means that's to him right. not two you can only watch one why because and he'll say it's because lent. it's lent yeah and the other day he has said is Lent over yet? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's looking forward to watching two shows a day again. <laughs> no, that's true. My kids are always asking me, so when does Lent really end? Isn't it on Palm <laughs> Sunday? Yes, but then it's Holy, you know, no, Holy Thursday. Anyway, Yeah. sorry, go ahead. So, but yeah, so as we were in full teaching mode, it's interesting that the question is turned on us to say, well, what are you learning then from your kids? Mm -hmm. um, and, and David and I talked about it because I wasn't really sure how to answer at first. <clears throat> And I think what we realized is that um, our boys are teaching us about new life, being renewed and starting fresh. And this isn't just because their lives are relatively new, but, but how they are actually living out their lives. Mm -hmm. um, we found, <laughs> thankfully, that little kids don't hold grudges. They have their moments of frustration and anger. Um, they can certainly get upset about things, like if they don't get to watch a show when they want to or someone else takes a toy from them. But they get over it pretty quickly, and it might take a time out or it might take a distraction like a different toy or sitting down for a story. But basically, there is the offending action, whatever it is that is upsetting them. Then there is forgiveness, which happens almost immediately. And then there is new life. They begin again. They turn that page, and they mm -hmm. really forget what <laughs> happened two minutes ago. And as a parent, I can get blinded by that first part, the, the, uh, and frustrated, I guess, uh, by whatever it is, the fighting over a toy or the whining because someone didn't get what they wanted. But I miss out um, on appreciating the second part, which is the forgiveness and new life. Yeah. Because really, that's what is happening in their own little way. Um, and when I, when I really think about that and when I acknowledge that, it's refreshing because this is what God 
calls us. This is it calls us to the, the attitude he calls us to have, and the attitude that he allows us to have, really, by the death of his son on the cross, that we can forgive and we can move on and we can continue to love and start anew. Mm-hmm. So, in the various tiny, very tiniest of ways, <laughs> and this might be a stretch, but this is connecting it to all to the, the great celebration of Easter. It really is that mini passion being acted out in my house many times a day. The, the sin, the action, the dying to self, the distraction that helps us to move on, forgiveness, and then new life. They start again. So wow! Yeah, that's Easter every day in my house. <laughs> it is in your house and in everybody else's house. <laughs> is this that something? You know, we get stuck. I. I I, Holy Week for me this year, for some reason, I kept, because re- re- I do the daily readings, and I, e- every reading reminded me just about Judas and mm-hmm. Peter, and Judas, who got stuck in the sin and not d- was not able to move on to the forgiveness, right. and then Peter, who was able to, mm-hmm. and Peter's the one who became the leader of the church. Yeah. Not a perfect guy, <laughs> you know, a guy that was weak, and but he ask for forgiveness and and maybe that's that's a good lesson that mm-hmm. Easter is not so much about the glorious resurrection but the little resurrections yeah there's a lot of little ones here <laughs> lots of little ones and yeah, yeah you're right the kids are able to uh, to remind I mean for them everything is new mm-hmm. um, even if it's not new if you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah they move on quickly they get over things quickly and then it's off to something else yeah and and, uh, and, and that's quite the opposite for me I tend to hold on to things and hold grudges and worry about stuff and to see them pick up, move on. I'm like, that is the, t- that is the example that I need in my life. I need to be more like them. <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, I guess they're too little to be taken to a midnight mass or something. Do you, is there an Easter children's mass that you go to? Does it yeah, on um, Easter morning there's the 10 a.m. And that's, that's generally every Sunday 10 a.m. mass is kind of the children's the mass. The children's mass. Yeah, and so it's louder and... And, of course, it will be very, very crowded, <laughs> in particular on Easter. Crowded and somebody sitting in your pew. Yeah, um, where we're <laughs> going to go. But people that never go to church <laughs> and then they sit on your pew. Um, anyway, Jillian, this is, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. And, and thank you for, for always giving us something to think about um, throughout the year. Um, and happy Easter to you, well, David, to you. Joseph, happy and Easter. to Henry. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace. And she's a wife and mother of two. Hi, I'm Danny Tortia from Media Ministry Minutes, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can podcast our show for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio or also off iTunes. And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hello, Pedro. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So in just over eight weeks from now, Dublin, Ireland will host the 50th International Eucharistic Congress. And this Congress will gather pilgrims from around the world for one purpose, Mm -hmm. to celebrate the Eucharist. And uh, the Congress lasts about a week. It begins on Corpus Christi Sunday, June the 10th, and then ends one week later on Sunday, June the 17th. And the theme for this year's conference is the Eucharist communion with Christ and with one another. Mm-hmm. So you might be wondering, what is the purpose of this conference? And, you know, why do we need to get together to celebrate the Eucharist when we do that every single you know, Sunday yes. Mass? Well, the purpose of the Congress is to promote an awareness of the central place of the Eucharist in our lives and in the life and mission of the Church, 
to help improve our understanding and celebration of the liturgy because we need to, to get to a deeper level of participation and uh, to draw attention to the social dimension of the Eucharist. So basically to contemplate what does it mean to be part of the body of Christ and how does that change our way of living. So uh, it's like this. Each day is centered on the celebration of the Eucharist and then includes talks by international speakers on the designated theme for the day. So, for example, one will be baptism, another day will be marriage and family, or reconciliation, for example. And some of the speakers for this year's conference are Brother Alois Lozer of the oh, Tese. Yeah, Tese community, Maria Voce uh -huh, from Focolare, uh, our very own Archbishop Michael Miller of yep, Vancouver, of and he'll be speaking on the theme of priesthood and ministry, mm. and uh, Patriarch Fautual, a Latin Patriarch oh, of, of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yes, and so that's just to name wow. a few of the people that will be involved. Uh, the closing ceremony will be held in Crow Park, where it's expected that 80 thousand people will gather. Mm -hmm. So there will also be a youth program that runs alongside the regular program and that will be held in the Cataluce youth space and that's expected that 2,500 people will gather, mm -hmm. youth will gather there. So I've already thrown out some big numbers here but to give you a sense of the scale of this Catholic mega event, yes. um, 25,000 pilgrims will participate each day for seven days uh, 12,000 of those will be international pilgrims, and as I've already mentioned, 80,000 people will be there for the closing ceremony. And to put on an event of this size, it takes two to 3,000 volunteers. Mm. And they're going to have over 100 exhibition stands, over 150 workshops and discussion groups, and 18 keynote addresses by international speakers. Uh, masses, prayers, and liturgical celebrations will be held in seven languages. And, of course, you will uh, recall the Eucharistic procession, adoration, and benediction, which is, of course, always involved in the Congress. So um, you, you participated in the last Congress. Yes, a lot of our listeners probably did as well in Quebec City. Yeah, in 2008. So that was four years ago, and yes. the Congress happens every four years. Yeah. So what did you think was the highlights uh, of oh your experience there? Oh, my goodness. There? Probably the Eucharistic procession yeah. through, through, through the streets of Quebec City. It was amazing just to... To feel the support, yeah. especially when a lot of people were saying, oh, the church is dead in Quebec. It's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's far from dead. Yeah. So that was a highlight. And then, I mean, the speakers, yeah. uh, we had did some did great you, speakers. Did you end up listening to Jean Vanier's uh, Absolutely. We all did. Because what happens, I don't know if this is going to be the same in, in Ireland, but what happens is that you have a, 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 a catechesis mm -hmm. by uh, either an archbishop or a cardinal right. and then uh, paired up with a witness talk. Right. So there would have been a talk by, let's say, Archbishop Tagle from the Philippines, mm -hmm. who was amazing. He, and he's going to be there this be, year again. So he was amazing. And then you might have a witness by a layperson right. like Jean Vanier. And yes. I, I, still, I still quote Jean Vanier because he talked about how, you know, when you love somebody, you're present to them. Yes. And Christ is present to us in the Eucharist. So are we present? Yeah. And so there was this great, uh, he, he's so good. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a living saint. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, but I, all the speakers were great. A lot of the witness talks by lay people were great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we were part of all that because it's not like World Youth Day where you break out and you have different catechesis sessions. Mm -hmm. No, we're all in the same catechesis mm -hmm. at the same time. 
um, uh, every day. Yeah, so um, I think this is one of those must-do, must-see events. You should always participate, um, to make time to participate in this, and this is a great opportunity to do that. So to find out more on the International Eucharistic Congress, that's June 10th through the 17th, 2012, find out more at IEC2012.ie. There are several resources available for pastoral preparation and how to sign up and attend. Absolutely. We're going to put that link on our, on our website so that you don't have to worry about not having it but International Eucharistic Congress Dublin June you'll find it if you go into a search engine thank you very much Sheridan happy Easter yes thank you um, and uh, <laughs> coming up in our second half hour Easter Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia Mark Matthews tells us about Easter in Hollywood and Sister Marie Paul Curley with excellent Easter film suggestions the marathon film countdown um, and some great Easter music so stay tuned This is an encore edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to part two of a special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. We're going to kick off this half with a song. Here is Joe Zambone with his song New Day from his album You Are, I Am.
That was Joe Zambone with his song New Day from his album You Are I Am. It's one of my favorite songs about how Christ makes all things new. And to find out what are some favorite movies with the same theme, stick around because coming up is Sister Marie Paul with her Windows to the Soul. But first, Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny, so last time we were talking about how the news has a a, a cyclical uh, or a cycles to news. So how does Holy Week and Easter fit into that cycle or does it? Absolutely. I mean, whatever the public uh, tends to do or tends to focus on in, in large volumes uh, constitutes something that's newsworthy. So I think people, even though the secular world, they might not really know what Christmas or Easter is about, they still, everything's about bunnies or about something or something religious during Easter. And, and it, the only reason why the bunnies or, or, uh, or a Santa Claus thing or elves is relevant is because people have said it's on my agenda, like commercial entities have said it's relevant, we'll make it relevant, let's invest in communications. And what do we do with the religious aspect, the, the true right. origins of, of those seasons? So, so what are we doing to let the world know if this is important to us and b- come and join us? Okay. Walk with us for a so bit. if the headline, let's say the, the local newspaper or the, the monthly magazine or whatever, the headline for that week of Easter is always going to be some religious thing because it often is about Christ or the shout of Turin or whatever or the church sex abuse scandal. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. pick something. Yeah. How can we help the media drive those stories so that they're not negative stories or mm-hmm. ignorant stories but more stories of truth? Well, I, th- I think it's important t- to realize that a good spokesperson uh-huh. is trained to repeat and repeat and repeat a story as succinctly and shortly as possible. Okay. So what that means is, is Easter? Well, let's assume we have a, a, a tiny 30-second soundbite opportunity to retell the Paschal narrative. At Christmas, to retell the nativity narrative. So to re-explain from the beginning, at baseline knowledge of zero, what is Christmas, what is Easter, every year. But in a secular language. Well, like no, how do you uh, do no, that? It could be it's, uh, with the eyes of faith. But Without talking about incarnation and resurrection and eschatology. Well, like do let's try, but maybe not <laughs> eschatology, but <laughs> let's try to, to, to say in simple terms, well, Christ spoke in simple parables, sometimes com- complex, but they okay. still were intriguing of everyday life in in ancient, you know, in in, Ju- in uh, Israel and and yeah, Judea yeah. and Galilee, etc. So we have to use simple language to say the the core of what we're celebrating, and and you say it again and again ad nauseum, okay, uh, repeating it. So maybe before Easter, it's the time to tell uh, the 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 secular press or the press in general, your targeted press, whoever you want to reach, yeah. tell them again why you're going to mass, why it's a special day in the calendar. Otherwise, you're right. If we don't, they will fill the void, and they'll pick Easter this bunny that, or they'll go to another church th- or another group. Do you think it's a good happily. idea? Can it be as simple as, hey, do you want to see what happens on Holy Thursday with the washing of the feet? Come and see. Invite them. Would a journalist come to mass on Holy Thursday or Good Friday to see? Is that a good idea? It's a great idea. I mean, journalists are paid to be curious, are paid to be balanced, are paid to look at different sides of a prism. Uh-huh. Now, uh, you know, they would acknowledge that they don't necessarily cover our side of the story often. Yeah. So I might as well invite them at the best time of the year, at the time when most Catholics will say, good story, Toronto Star, thanks for covering that, or thank you for doing right. the CBC radio, you helped me, I'm go- it's so relevant to me, my faith, kudos. So maybe you'll see, if we start encouraging them to write stories at the right time, if we help them by being a partner in news, right. the journalists are going to get accolades and pats on the back by their editors saying, hey, you know, I got you a lot got of good feedback. feedback on that story. Because what, are we Catholics going to the chur- churches in small numbers or are we going out in large numbers? 
if we're going at large numbers, right. we should congratulate journalists who've covered the story properly. Right. And maybe with feedback, they'll cover it again and again at different times of the year. So, so, so to kind of pair that up with the whole repetition advice, would you say then keep inviting them, invite them oh again, yeah. invite them again, find out who the journalist that is, you know, maybe doing something about homeless people and invite them because we're washing the feet and uh, we represent, you know, or something. I don't know. Well, if you getting rejected five times is a great blessing because the sixth time there's less of a probability of rejection. Really? Seventh time less okay, probability that's of good advice. Yeah, get rejected, but but do it. Reproach the media in an objective, a very factual way, not overly emotional. Tell them the story. Uh -huh. Don't judge, right? There, you don't, don't don't get upset if they if they offend you. Be resilient. Be holy. You know, take the the the, the arrows, uh, you know, and and the bad stuff if they throw it your way. Take it, but k stay the course. And over the time, they'll say, you know what? I owe those guys a a, a visit. Or you know what? Because they're nice. Because they're polite. Because they're reasonable. Yeah, they say this this Holy Thursday Mass or the Good Friday thing is special for them. Well, you know what? I've rejected them three years. My ethical ethos or ethical conscience of a journalist takes in and say, I should give them now. They're the Davids, not the Goliaths. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Now they're the poor people I've been I've been really I've oppressing. Been yeah. Let me go see what they're saying instead of we're always the go the, the Goliaths, because they like to tackle Goliath, but now become the David. And and uh, well, poor little Catholic people. I never go see them. Okay. Um, and then invite them for Easter, and then you can follow up in, in at different in, in May. Yeah, okay. Maybe there's vocations yeah, or con con uh, ordinations, ordinations or, or something about Mary. And then yeah. visit the poor, the work they're doing with the poor. There's homeless shelters yes. in February, coldest month of the year. There's there's a continuity here. Exactly. Talk to them at Easter, but then talk to them at every two right. months, every month. Okay. So this is great advice. And again, not just for Easter, but we are talking about Easter. But throughout the year, Easter is our biggest celebration. So absolutely. Absolutely, we need to reach out to those journalists. They're not our enemies. They're our best friends. They can uh, help us tell the story. Thank you, Danny. Happy Easter. Thank you to you too and to all the listeners. Yeah, and uh, thanks for uh, uh, this useful advice. Danny Torquia, he's the Director of Marketing and Development for Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. And coming up, what's good in Hollywood. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Krista Matrenko, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. And now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood? With our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark... This is the question that everybody's been, uh, you know, wants to know. What's Easter like, or what what's Holy Week e like in in Holy Week in Hollywood? Ah, yes, the Holy Week in Hollywood. Well, uh, to be honest, uh, I I don't mean to be a little bit depressing, but it's a little bit of uh, of a non-event around here. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, the best way I can say it is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, nationalities here, and. Okay. Uh, you know, a big part of the population, you know, that's been involved with, uh, you yeah. know, Hollywood is that there's a huge Jewish community right. here. So it's like a lot of these other nationalities don't necessarily uh, celebrate Easter. So it's kind of like, you know, you, you could ask for a day off, but it's not like a, a mandatory so, day off. Okay, so wait, like so, so is Good Friday a day off? Uh, no. Most places, Good Friday is not a day off. Now, and and it would Passover be a holiday, or just for you the know what? Again, there it's not a holiday, but I think it's the kind of thing where businesses would let you take it off easily. 
So, okay. so they would be understanding, but they're not official mandatory holidays. But Good Friday is not a statutory, ho- like federally mandated N- statutory not holiday. Not a federally mandata- mandated statutory holiday. No, really. Yeah. So it it it, it, fe- it it's a little hard for me. You know, it feels a little bit like uh like it's a bit of a a bit of a loss. So I have to make a bit of a special effort here to, uh, to really make it feel like Easter. So. I've uh, I've occasionally even got friends together to uh, try and color Easter eggs, you know, just to give it that uh, that good old down home Easter feel. So so when the Pope was just in Cuba requesting that Good Friday be <laughs> become a statutory holiday, the Pope now needs to go to Hollywood and I, request. Th- I, we would welcome that. That would be fantastic. So how do I would, you? I would love that. So you you have to make a point to take a vacation day on Good Friday. Exactly. Yeah, I have to use my own personal vacation for that. So. And they, they do, you know, and maybe this is how it came about. They do give us what they call floating holidays. Ah. So I think it's that idea that, yeah, you could use your official floating holiday day for Good Friday. Okay. And, 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 and among the Catholic community, how is it then? I mean, do we see the same things that you see everywhere? I mean, I know that there are huge Catholic parishes. There's a huge, beautiful cathedral in L.A. So, I mean, in terms of that, the, there's still a Catholic presence or a Christian presence during Holy it, Week and Easter? There is a there is a Catholic presence. Um, again, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it anything outlandish. You know, you'd kind of think, oh, maybe it's Hollywood. You know, maybe they do something with like lots of lights and explosions and pyrotechnics. I'd say it's you know very much kind of like standard uh, liturgical fare. Um, so yeah, you know, and what you do see people doing again, which is you know, kind of very secular, and I don't think this is necessarily Christians or Catholics, is that people love doing their lawn displays. They put like little. On their lawn, <laughs> which is something that I, I never really saw in Canada. I never saw no, people going good <laughs> so far with that kind of thing. Good, yeah, no, we don't do lawn bunnies. <laughs> exactly, and maybe it's because we have snow. But I'd like to think <laughs> it's that we we look at the core of the of the uh, that's of the, true the holiday. So that's true. So so uh, would you say then that compared to Christmas, Christmas because the Christmas is, has been secularized more, so you'd have the Christmas concert or something. There isn't exactly, yeah. Christmas Easter. Is, a, is a big deal around here. Even the Scientologists find a way to celebrate Christmas somehow and sort of get into it. So, so yeah, Christmas is the much bigger event compared to Easter. Right, interesting. Now, I heard a, a funny story uh, about Britney Spears and I, prayer. Yes. <laughs> so, so this is a, a few years ago, and um, I always use that as an example of uh, the power of prayer. Um, there's a funny thing that happens in Hollywood, and that is that some of the most richest, powerful people are paired off with some of the poorest, most non-influential people. Yeah. Um, and that would be uh, your aspiring actors get put in positions to be personal assistants for CEOs and right. A-list actors okay. and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so all that to tell you that uh, a lot of times we would hear about uh, you know, things that would hit the tabloids, you know, weeks before they would hit the tabloids, just because we'd hear about, oh, did you know this happened, blah, 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 blah. Right. And so, I mean, it's very natural and easy for uh, Christians and Catholics to fall into gossip. So my friend who was telling me this stuff, and these were these happened to be tip-offs about, you know, kind of what was going on in Britney Spears' life. She's like, and I'm like, I'm only telling you this so that you can pray for her. And we're all like, okay, yes, yes, we'll pray. And she's like, really, are you going to pray? And we're like, yes, we will. And so, you know, we'd offer up rosaries and everything. And it was a good reminder of, you know, the power of prayer. And so mm-hmm. I was always asking, I'm like, well, is this really having any influence? You know, does this really make a difference? And then I saw this headline. It says, uh, Britney Spears thanks fans for all of her prayers. And I, it just <laughs> felt like a real message to me from God saying, yes, your Keep prayers praying, yeah. do make an influence in people's lives. 
So well, well, there you go. That's our, our Easter message for Hollywood then is keep praying for Hollywood, keep praying for the people who are working there, who are writing the scripts, who are producing, but also these celebrities. Absolutely. Who, we so much need your lost. prayers. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Mark, I uh, hope you had a great Holy Week and a blessed Easter and Easter season, and uh, it's great to have you with us in the program. Thank you so much, Pedro. Appreciate it. You're welcome. That's Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. He joined us on the phone from his home in L.A. Hi, I'm Andrew Santos, and you're listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. This is a special Easter edition of The Salt and Light Hour. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister is in the studio with us today. And do you have any special plans for Easter? I do. I'm actually going to do an Easter movie marathon. You're going to watch movies? I am. Throughout the Easter season. you know. Oh, okay, not like over the weekend. (laughs) Not for the whole weekend, no. (laughs) You you realize that Easter is our greatest liturgical season, and it's also the longest, apart from ordinary time. Yeah. But when I went around and asked people that I knew, who had a favorite Easter movie? Nobody had a favorite Easter movie. It's uh, not like Christmas. Yeah, Nobody no, has a, it's not like it's so a wonderful life. Yeah. Pedro, my question to you is, do you have a uh, favorite Easter movie? Yes, I do because we watch it, dur- we wa- usually watch it during Lent every year. It's not really an Easter movie, but it's a Jesus movie. And I think it's one of the greatest Jesus movies that has ever been made. Okay. Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh my goodness, that's a great choice. Jesus Christ Superstar is a great film. I don't think it's a great musical on stage, but it's a great film. Oh, that is a good choice. Unfortunately, it didn't make it to my top 10 Easter films. Wow. I guess you can have top 11. We'll we'll have top 11. So that was number 11. Here's the countdown (laughs) for the rest. Okay. Number 10, The Fourth Wise Man. It's a little-known, well-acted TV adaptation of Henry Van Dyke's classic story. It's got Martin Sheen and Alan Arkin, uh-huh. and it talks about the fourth wise men who had the faith to search for the newborn king and to help people on the way. Um, he, it, the movie really highlights the words of Jesus, whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. Excellent. Okay. Martin nine. Sheen is in yes. our number nine movie. Yes. So he, he tops the list. Um, the film The Way, yes. which was just released to DVD, mm-hmm. and it's a lesser known film, and I really wanted to include it because... It's the story of a very lost man, a wealthy widower who receives the news that his son has died while trying to make a pilgrimage to the Cathedral of St. James, El Camino del Santiago. So this wounded father goes on his own spiritual journey trying to complete his son's pilgrimage, and he discovers freedom and new life. Now, Pedro, this is a less overtly religious film than most of the films on my list, but the symbolism, the themes of faith, Mm -hmm. makes it a very rich Easter viewing. Yeah, it is. Movie number eight, number eight, The Ten Commandments, oh, no. directed by Cecil B. DeMille. And, you know, it's shown it's on TV. It's a marathon by itself. It is, actually. <laughs> it's shown on TV during Holy Week for yeah. us as Christians, and I, I believe also for, for the Jewish people. Yes. It's critically acclaimed, 1956, masterpiece that portrays the Passover. It's a well-spent three and a half hours. Now, if you need a shorter alternative that the kids can get into. Yeah. I recommend the animated Prince of Egypt from 1998 that actually steals a lot from Cecil yes, B. Yes, that DeMille's is a great little film. Yes. Movie number seven, A.D. The Acts of the Apostles is the Easter book. 
right? It's what yeah. we read all through the Easter season. It's my favorite book in the whole Bible. And we ignore it as Catholics sometimes, and it's full of the excitement and joy of the resurrection. Yeah. So watching AD, the TV miniseries, is a wonderful way to open your eyes to the details that we often miss in the Acts of the Apostles. I've never even Easter. heard of this. Oh, you got to see it. It's great. It's a how many part it's series? It's a miniseries. It's... I don't know, I six, seven parts. I've been parts. saying all my life that the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles would make a great miniseries. It is. It's wonderfully done. It's wonderfully okay. done. I'm writing that one down. Movie six and five oh. are combined together. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from okay. the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. There are references to the gospel everywhere, yeah. especially, of course, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which retells the story of Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. But uh, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader has a great scene from Jesus' resurrection appearances that's disguised in the film, but it's even better in the book. So yes. if I was recommending Easter reading, The Chronicles of Narnia would be on the top of my yes. list. Yes, great, great. Movie number four. Are you ready? Yes. Changing Lanes. This film, taking place mostly on Good Friday, is about the consequences of our choices, starting with distracted driving and road rage. Uh -huh. It seems like an unlikely choice, but the new life that the, these two desperate men come to and, and the way they influence the people around them makes it a really fitting Easter movie. It takes place on Good Friday, so yeah, it actually interesting. So it, it, fits it is really well. purposeful. Yeah, very deep. Uh -huh. Movie number three, Who Hasn't Given Up Chocolate for Lent? If yes. you have, this movie is for you. <laughs> Chocolat has a very joyful, yes. playful approach. And it also pokes holes in the hypocrisy of making Lenten sacrifices yes. to look good while ignoring your neighbor. Yeah. Um, the key characters and the entire town come to new life yes. by Easter morning. And it's, it's, it's a good choice. It's a powerful yeah. choice and full of symbolism. Chocolat's a great film. Number two, Number two, Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. This 1977 TV miniseries is still the most popular on-screen life of Christ. Mm -hmm. It is based on the Gospels. It's reverent. And really, it's, it's an amazing, amazing portrayal of the life of Jesus. If you've seen it many, many times, a more recent alternative would be the Gospel of John which has my favorite cinematic version of the washing of the feet and Jesus' priestly prayer. Interesting, yeah, because it's word for word, yeah, the scriptures. It's, it's the beautifully done. John, yeah. And movie number one. Okay, number one, drum, drum roll. roll. Ben-Hur. Oh. This amazing <laughs> 1959 film based on a novel draws us into the story of the wealthy Jewish prince uh -huh. who lived at the time of Jesus, is sold as a slave, returns to get his revenge, but keeps encountering Jesus. Yes. Ben-Hur swept the Academy Awards, winning 10 Oscars. Wow. It is a profound story of transformation and faith. It's my personal favorite that kind of stands head and shoulders above the rest of the list. So there you well, have it. Well, there you go. Wow, that was a marathon, and you're going to watch all those in the next six I'm, weeks. I'm going to try. <laughs> That's good. So lots of good suggestions. If you want to find out what the list was, uh, Sister Marie Paula is going to post it on her blog, windows2thesoul.wordpress.com. So uh, happy Easter to you, sister. Thanks for the, <laughs> for the list. I like, I love lists. And blessed Easter to you and all the viewers, all the listeners. Thank you very much. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. You can read her blog again at windows2thesoul.wordpress.com. Here now is Audrey Assad with All Things New. Eternal Word in flesh. 
listening to Audrey Assad with Sarah Hart's All Things New. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All Salt and Light Radio programs are available there for download. On the same page, you can find links to all the artists whom we feature on Salt and Light Radio and watch our featured music video of the week. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. Salt and Light Radio is a ministry of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And remember that you can follow us with our Twitter handle, at Salt and Light TV. And if you're on Facebook, go to our page and like us. Today I was joined by our news expert, Krista Matrenko, our diocesan expert, Sheridan Echelar, our saint expert, Andrew Santos, our public relations expert, Daniel Torquia, our parenting expert, Julian Cantor, our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, and our film expert, Sister Marie Paul Curley. Our sound engineer is Javier Capella, and the executive producer of Salt and Light is Father Thomas Rosica. I'm not an expert in anything, but I am Deacon Pedro, and I love doing this program. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Thank you for being with us. Have a holy and blessed Easter season. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah.